You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hello, friends. Here's a very special episode of the podcast, one I've been hoping to do for quite some time. I'm joined by Bob Barnett of Captain We're Sinking, one of my best friends in this life. Uh, he is a singer, a songwriter, a performer, a history teacher, a light in this uncertain time, a wonderful human being. We both love podcasts and have talked about working together. This time we did it and we made some tentative plans for the future, which I'm so stoked about. Hopefully we do some Bob and Tom trips. You'll hear about it in the episode. Uh, I had a great time recording this here on Wednesday, the 22nd of April, 2020. Happy Earth Day. Join us on May 6th at 6 o'clock Eastern Time over at Stage It to watch Bob play some songs from Captain for Sinking, some of his solo stuff, talk some shit. Uh, He's going to do some songs with Kara. It's going to be fantastic. There's a link in the show notes over at futurefriday.net, so check it out if it has not gone over yet, which it should not have. But please, enjoy the conversation from one friend to another. Here's Bobby Barnett. All right. You ready to roll? Let's do it. We're rolling. Awesome. Hey, Bob, thanks so much for joining me. Um, Um, Thank you. Hell yeah. I thought maybe we could start off by uh, telling everybody about the time that you and I had the uh, one of the more (laughs) miserable jobs uh, ever. (laughs) So uh, we... We've talked a little bit about doing a podcast, and we have like our own podcast ideas together. And yeah. every after every conversation we've ever had about it, I was like, "There's no way a podcast could ever start with Tom and I that doesn't begin with that job." Because I do also feel like our friendship started with that. Like, what was it two weeks? Yeah, it was two weeks. Yeah. So, like, you know, I knew you as Mike's brother, and like we would hang out and stuff like that. But this was the first time, like, you and I kind of just one-on-one we're hanging out so I, I feel like this is a very good place a very good place to start yeah it was it was perfect we were uh I, i'm not sure if we had moved to philadelphia yet or not at the time i think that we did um, it, was, it was right before that because was it for your first tour yeah it was like it was, leading up to your first tour or second tour or something like yeah that. it may have been the, it was either like you know maybe been uh a year before we moved to philadelphia or the year we moved to philadelphia i forget exactly yeah. but so yeah exactly we had known each other i knew you as greg's brother you knew me as mike's brother uh yeah. we had hung out before cursory you know in a cursory situation but the so we got greg was like hey you can go and uh stay at my mom's house work with my brother at this job make some money before the tour because you know we were in between tour i was a uh, Having some problems with cash, we couldn't figure it out. So we yeah. go up there, stay with you, and we get this job landscaping together. And the funny thing is, too, it's not like that was like my summer job where I was like working there. Like I started day one when you started, yeah, exactly. and then I <laughs> I stopped when you stopped. It wasn't like I was going on tour with you. No, this <laughs> like, was a, this is an awesome family friendship. Uh, yeah, uh, help each other out situation. So my neighbor, uh, <laughs> my neighbor in the house that we grew up in owns a landscaping construction company, and he always would tell my mom if the boys ever need work. They can, you know, I can get them doing little odd jobs. So I think if I remember correct, like Greg was talking to my mom about getting you a job to work there. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it, too. I don't know why Greg didn't want to. Um, But I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do it as well. I have an idea why Greg didn't want to. I was just about to start talking some. Jokes. We can talk some shit on Greg. I think part of it though is that because he knew that the job's gonna suck. 
<laughs> he does have pretty good insight when the things yeah, are going to be pretty. I think he saw that coming. Uh, this was yeah. probably two, this was 2007, maybe or 2008. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it, the job wasn't landscaping as much. It was we walked around <laughs> picking up sticks out of gravel yeah. for yeah, seven or eight them. hours a day picking with a bunch sticks. of uh, uh, guys that were you know they were Hamlin folk. We call them Hamlin folk or Lake Ariel folk. And the, and the, in the kindest of they're, ways. Yeah, they're pencil tucky folk. And uh, yeah. one of them, every time that we drove past one of the bars that's up there, he'd be like, hey, you know, I can't go back there. can't <laughs> go back there. And um, if you could think of Hamlin as a town with maybe like three stop signs, there's not that many, you know, there's no. like three, there's three bars that he's probably not allowed into. Yeah. And it's the bars in the town. Yeah, he was one of the, that, that guy was one of the people that they would write country songs about, you know, he's, he's the guy mm-hmm. who's not allowed in any of the bars, that kind of, that so kind of deal. Would, I remember he would drive us around in the truck and then sometimes would drop us off at a house and then he would go do something. And it was just you and I in like someone's lake house, like summer home, backyard. And um, we would just walk and pick up sticks. Yeah, we were getting paid between six to eight dollars an hour. I'm saying the eight. I'm pretty sure it was like six dollars yeah, an hour. But, but, um, I don't yeah, think it was touching eight. That was the thing. So the, all the driveways were made out of gravel. They weren't paved yeah. fully. Uh and the whole thing was to just like they just made up work. They were just like, okay, yeah. go pick up the sticks. If you had any type of tool, any rake, any type of anything, it would have made it easier. No, we just picked up the sticks. They wouldn't. Even, after a couple of days, I think we realized that they wouldn't be able to tell whether or not we had done anything. So it kind of, yeah. you know, spiraled into that. Uh, I think. Was, but at nighttime, when we got back to to uh, to your house, we would play yeah. songs and work on stuff, and it was really cool. Yeah. And we had that cover. We did a cover on that hardware eight track, like a Fostex uh, eight track yeah. of "Where's My Mind," and it was by the Pixies, and it was so yeah. fucking cool. It was still in I my like, mind would be I, the I would like the, to the think white that whale. We had like, I know we had, we had this like really hard day of picking up sticks, <laughs> and <laughs> you and I going like we had a little band room in our basement of our uh, mom's house. And you and I just played Where's My Mind for like eight minutes straight. Yeah. Like every instrument we could find in there, we had these like little ska reggae like rack toms that yeah, we were banging yeah, on. Like, 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 like Yeah, we Remember made this like. Remember in one of the toms that was in there and we had this. And for some reason, because of like, you know, one of those happy accidents of not understanding the equipment and the microphones and all that shit, it sounded awesome. It was like really it's, cool. It's, it would honest, It's honestly like – one of those things. If I if I heard if I heard it back now, I I kind of almost don't want to hear it back now because in my mind, it's just such a wonderful, beautiful cover. And yeah, it's it gonna so live perfect. as a legend for me for sure. Yeah, it disappeared yeah, that, into the ether just like the job did for me, uh, which is a pretty <laughs> funny way that it ended. I had I don't yeah. remember exactly what happened, but I couldn't go in one of the days. We were like working on it was a band thing, or I had to go do something for my family back in Scranton. Um, but I called the owner and I was like, Hey, you know, or I left him a message. I was like, Hey, it's Tom May. I can't come. Um, excuse me, whatever was going on. Like I'm not gonna be able to make it that day. And then he calls back and leaves a voicemail that is like ripping me to shreds, screaming at me. And I was like, fuck. Oh my God, dude, I fucked up, uh, Bobby and Greg and their mom's relationship with their next door neighbor. Like I got fired from this job. This is so embarrassing. It sucks. And it turns out that the guy had mistaken me for Tom A. 
some person who wronged him, someone who really fucked his like, you know, threw him for a, through through a loop. Uh, not Tom May, and that was uh, not you know. this guy that's been working for him for five days. Like, yeah. doesn't even know he exists on the job site. Like the many jobs he has during the day, he's definitely not thinking about us picking up. <laughs> the twigs and like no. some guy's yard. Yeah, no, he thought I was this guy that like clearly had wronged him severely, oh, and uh, my gosh. Took, the, took the time to scream at me. And uh, so know, why that was the, that's such like a landmark two weeks in my brain because not only was I always look at it as like the establishment of our friendship, but also I remember during that time I was kind of like right out of high school, kind of doing the you know our band really started kind of doing stuff around that time, but we weren't yet at the point of like, where we're thinking about seriously going on tour or anything like that. Or we were, we were doing like home recordings and stuff like that. So I just didn't really know any sort of path that I was supposed to be on. And I didn't really have anyone to talk about it with. Like all my friends were kind of like, you know, we're out of high school, let's party and have fun. And who cares about anything like that? And I remember we got the job and it was like the first day my mom made us two sandwiches and like. we would eat the, we would eat those two sandwiches at like 10 a.m. because you know we already got bored. Yeah, <laughs> and we had sticks. already been picking up sticks for like four hours at that point. <laughs> and I remember you would just you would sit down with me and you would just like ask me like deep heartfelt questions and like we would like really get into it. And I remember like working those days and being like, man, this feels really good right now. Like I'm like able to actually like talk to someone about this i just went up i just went through like a terrible breakup like my high school breakup at the time i had no one to talk to about it you were just like oh like talk to me about it yeah and we would just sit there outside with no one around eating sandwiches in like some stranger's backyard and i would like open up about all this stuff and it was so nice yeah dude that was i never never got i never got to thank you for that Uh, hell man hell yeah thank you (laughs) <laughs> that was a that was a, a perfect stars aligned kind of situation. And it's a funny thing that we were just sitting on like you know some rich person's driveway while we were picking up their sticks and uh, talking yeah. about our life in the future. Well, fucking, what was, I didn't remember that wild ass dude's name. It's neither do as, as you said, Eric like we, we we drove we drove around with other people. I honestly forgot about them. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I I remember him now. I just remember he had you a hat the, on that was so dirty and fit so closely to his head. I was like, how could lower, you? Uh, the leaf floor backpacks we would sometimes get. Yep. The privilege. The privilege to use the leaf floor backpack. Oh, yeah. But now here we are. You uh, find yourselves a couple blocks away uh, in South yeah. Philadelphia, but we can't really yep. – can't hang out. Nope. It is uh, currently April 22nd. Uh, yeah. We've experienced a couple of wild-ass weird weeks. Um, yeah, it's uh, truly – they put up a giant billboard now going down Front Street, like heading south, and it's just a social distancing billboard. Yeah. And you go into the grocery store and they have like that automated voice over, keep six feet apart or yeah. keep six feet away from each other. Practice social distancing. You're like, wow, I cannot believe this is what everyone's doing right now. Yeah, the evolution has been intense, especially where yeah. we are, where we're kind of piled on top of each other. Um, yeah. Yeah, and seeing the 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 uncertainty and the um, you know we can go a million directions with this, but the 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 way that it's changed uh, in our world, like you and I go to the same grocery stores, we see the same people, mm-hmm. we have the same social circle. To to watch the um, 
change has been a wild ride to see the uncertainty yeah. in people that you're seeing on the street uh even like the, the drastic changes in the grocery store i think we've been t- uh joking about you know we'll go have a routine set you go once a week or you go once every two weeks or you didn't go for a while i know you found yourself in a, a unique position where you were not meant to leave the house at all for quite some time yeah <laughs> um, uh ours, ours started off with uh my wife works uh worked at an urgent care and I uh, got the call that someone came in, um, tested positive. So we we went into quarantine pretty early, like beginning of March, two weeks shut down. Yeah, I believe and, you guys went in the day that we got back from uh, Australia, which was March 10th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we, we – I'm sorry. No, we, that was when we left for Australia. It was like – it was later when we got back, my best. Yeah. Yeah, I think actually, because I remember talking to Greg about it, and he was still in Australia, but he said he was coming home soon. Yeah. And I think we were already like two days in at that point. And we got like as much stuff. I, I was talking, <laughs> Greg is the one that made me panic buy <laughs> two 30 racks of PBR because he's like, you know, you, you got to buy, you got to buy your alcohol. What are you going to do? The liquor stores are going to shut down. Uh, God damn it. And I'm like, holy Shit, you're right. And I went on Go Pop. And <laughs> for the, for those of you guys don't know, Bob and Greg and I and our brothers and some friends are in a group chat, and the, it came to light that the Barnetts had stocked up on <laughs> like sixty warm PBRs. And every once so in a while, I, there's a there's a quarantine beer picture that comes in. It's pretty great. I got I got two thirty thirty racks of PBR. Greg got three. And, <laughs> The funny thing about it is that, like, he'll have, like, maybe he'll send a picture of, like, him drinking one. Yeah. But he's always drinking something else in yeah. the pictures. So, like, he's stocked up probably, I would I would have to say, four or five times since the emergency PBR run. Yeah. So he's just got he's I mean, just it's, got it's still the emergency PBR run. I wonder if he'll drink. I wonder if they expire because I don't know. I'm, kinda, I, I'm definitely I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I'm not going to drink. 90 PBRs for the rest of my life. I don't think there's going to be I kind of just that. like the security of knowing that it's in my laundry room. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah, I back that. Like, it, it's just good knowing it's down there. <laughs> yeah, right? Hell yeah. Um, yeah, so then we didn't, go, we didn't go grocery shopping for like a while. We had everything we kind of needed and we were stocking up early. Um, and then I went to the grocery store for the first time and I never spent more money. It like... <laughs> I was telling you this before we were hanging out for Mike's birthday, but like, you know, you're kind of like going a little crazy. And it's not like I was just stocking up for the sake of stocking up, like, you know, buying another 30 things of toilet paper, even though I already have 20. Like, we were just literally out of everything. Sure. Yeah. And so, like, my shopping cart was overflowing, and people in there are looking at me like I'm crazy, living <laughs> in a crazy time. Yeah. Like, oh, cool. I'm the crazy person in the in the grocery store during a pandemic right now with the amount of food I'm buying. But I didn't, I didn't buy like crazy stuff. I didn't buy like 30 pounds of marshmallows. Like I yeah. bought, bought some normal stuff. Or the hoarding behavior of people, you know, just bought um, yeah as much toilet paper as they could because they saw other people do it and, you know. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, you guys, uh, it was, we felt really bad. You know, it was really scary to, to, to know that you guys were stuck at home. Uh, there was still s- – I mean, it's not like there's anything certain now, but there was so much yeah. uncertainty at that point that we were like, "Holy shit, Bob yeah, and uh, the, Kara and the baby can't leave the house." You know, like it was really, the first uh, like two weeks of it because every every morning you would wake up and there'd just be a new development, and so you literally don't know what the next because that's what like before the state shut down. That's when schools were still open and you're trying to figure out what they're going to do. So like every which we should also day, mention that you are a teacher. Yeah, I'm so, a teacher. Yeah, yeah. So. 
I actually was in school um, when I when Carrie gave me the call, and so I had to go to the principal and I had to go in the nurses' room, and I got like you know shuffled in pretty quickly and to keep it on the down low of like, hey, we need to know what you know because yeah. we need to notify we need to notify the district, we need to notify the CDC of like every step along the way. So I was trying to keep them up to date yeah. on it all, but, like. So, or I don't know what it's like now, but so early on in the beginning of March, it was such a mess of trying to figure out anything that I'm like, I have no news. And actually turns oh, yeah. out that we never got news back because they weren't able to properly handle the test. Yeah. So if you're comfortable talking about that, you guys got tested and then yeah. the the outcome was... It, indecisive. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. So we waited. I, I think it was like... 14 days no not 14 days it was over 14 days because we were, we made it to the 14 days without knowing yes mm-hmm. or no and we're like well i guess at that point it's just we made it through the 14 day quarantine anyway so i think it was like day 18 or day 20 or something like that they actually called and said oh um they never ran the test yeah this goddamn fucking clusterfuck of that's like yeah. kind of just an example of of how everything's been handled uh, yeah we're like oh okay yeah. Okay. I get. Okay. Like, cool. Like, I don't know want, if I'm like endangering anyone. Again? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. What you mean? Go go be around of other a bunch of other people who are getting tested yeah. because they were in contact with someone else. Now I'll pass that. They uh, they did turn the um. So did when you guys got tested? Was it at your primary care physician or did you did you guys didn't go down to the um stadiums where they had the drive through no it was before that, yeah, before uh, that was couldn't go to, we couldn't go to the primary care because they didn't want us in there yeah um couldn't find an urgent care and it actually turned out to be i think it was um pen medicine down in south philly where they became like kind of the the urgent care down in south philly that was yeah. going to do the testing um so that's where it happens and just i guess we'll never know yeah well i mean Jesus, sucks. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, so you've been you uh, starting to do teaching over like Zoom or from home. Yeah, so for the kids. I think every school. I can only speak for my school, but sure, um, sure. I, I've, I've talked about I talked to different teachers about like what they're doing, and everything's been kind of different. I think every school is kind of implementing their own thing. Ours is fairly you know easy. We have like online learning packets, and then we go on Zoom. Um, we have like office hours because we're a charter school. We don't have a lot of students um, in the high school. So there's only like 85 students and each teacher has like a set 40 minutes every day of like their office hours. So if students need to check in or need help on their work, they can just sign into Zoom where I'm sitting there and they'll just kind of say hi. Um, no one really asks for help for work. They usually just want to say hi. Every kid misses school so much. Yeah. Every, every, every student I've talked to, they all just want to go back. Damn, that's a, a component of that situation that I didn't even you know necessarily consider or think about, and that's the the huge social aspect of yeah. uh, their life at the school. You know, and just having yeah, they're all, like they're talking all to anybody. Yeah. So they'll they'll like figure out. What Zoom everyone ever like? What office Zoom? They're everyone's like all their friends are going to, and then they'll all just like pile into one <laughs> Zoom and like hang out in the chat. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Which is funny because you can mute them, and so like 
it's so funny to mute them all. And then I start so, talking about, so, well, so you I, can mute them all. So structurally how this goes, like you're the face that they see or whatever. Yeah. And, and you, they can turn on, they can turn on their camera too. But I like my students very rarely. will. they'll kind of go, no, they'll, no video, just the microphone. Uh, we'll hang out. I can mute them if I want. <laughs> um, I learned it used to be, they would be able to unmute themselves, but I figured out. You figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That that was, uh, uh, brings me to my next question about that, and that is that the, it seems like the gap, the technological gap between even uh, you know your and I generation and their generation is kind of steep in the sense that yeah. it's so fully integrated into their entire lives, like they're uh, yeah. since yeah. they were since they were like early teenagers. So do they? That is one example that they're able to unmute themselves. That's hilarious. And I was wondering what like other parts of this technological uh, aspect of their your interaction with them is them having like an upper hand or like uh, just a I, I, different I, understanding or like. I definitely wouldn't call it an upper hand. It's just something that I've noticed, and yeah, I don't know yeah. if it goes for like because they're still teens. kids. I mean, yeah, yeah all teens in <laughs> in the world these days. Um, but as far as like my students go, they don't. They love to talk on FaceTime. Ah, no shit. And like in their regular Yeah, social. so if, like, ah, okay. if, they're, if they're like talking to someone, they'll just FaceTime that person. But you, you want to have your camera up to like see your face. They will just have the camera like pointing to the ceiling and talking almost like you're speaking on speakerphone. But it's FaceTime and they're like – and the camera is just showing the ceiling. So and they so did talk- this before this? Yeah. So like in class, I would like walk in and – someone's like talking to a friend on like FaceTime and I'll look over and then my head will just like peer over the camera of whoever they're talking to. And I would like take their phone away. And I would always ask them like, why are you on FaceTime? Like, that's how we talk. That's so funny. Like, are you looking at each other? Like, no, I'm like, why don't you just call? And I don't want to, (laughs) I I just don't follow. So zoom is funny too, because they do the same thing because, because they have it on their phone. So if they put the if they put the camera on, they'll just put it up to the ceiling. Wow! And okay. I, I get I get so angry about it. Like if you're going to use the camera, I want to see you. I don't care what your ceiling looks like. Part of I me is like uh, that curmudgeon-y aspect of me where I'm like, yeah, these poor kids, they don't, uh, they can't, you know, uh, fully realize social cues. They're all just texting each other and not talking to each other. The fact that they bypass the talking part and actually put the camera on anyway. Gives me a little bit of hope. Like maybe, yeah. maybe that's like at the next emotional level. Like when they get really excited, they can grab the camera and show it at them, you know, or like uh, if they get yeah. in a fight or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. But that's that's to, hilarious. Yeah, to show like the to to show true emotion, take the camera off the ceiling and like show their face to for like one second, then put it back on like the ceiling. Yeah, yeah, totally. I had five uh, senior girls and I like wouldn't let anyone into the Zoom because I feel really bad for the seniors and they feel they're just so upset because this is the way school ends for them. Like they've been and especially our school, they started most of them started there in kindergarten. Yeah. And they have gone their entire life in school. Yeah. Um, this- if, you hear that, if, if you hear that buzzing, that means uh, the dryer's done. I don't know if that came through the mic. <laughs> it's hanging out by my 60 PBRs. <laughs> but yeah, they've been in they've been in our school like pretty much their entire life. Most of these kids, and now it just like ends like this. Like we're not going back. They don't Damn. have a prom. They don't have a graduation. Oh, it's it's just, terrible. This is how it ends. So I let them have like the 40 minutes. 
just to themselves. And oh, that's amazing. They're, go- they're going back and forth. We're talking. Most of the time, it's just yelling at me. Like, they just yell at me. Um, <laughs> what do they say? <laughs> this <laughs> this one girl. You don't have to reveal what No, it's nothing bad. This yeah, one yeah. girl, she is such, like, valid. She would have been valedictorian. Uh, such a bright kid. Um, she is so funny because she's always yelling at me. And it's that kind of like <laughs> sassy joking way, but there's like some truth sprinkled in there. So like right when I accept her in, uh, I won't say her name out. We'll call her M. Like, M, it's so great to see you. Barnett, let me tell you what. And like r- starts ripping into me like she's like my grandmother. This oh, is the first that. time I'm going to talk to you the whole time. You're not going to reach out to me. You're not going to say hi. Ask me how I'm doing. And like <laughs> starts going off. And it's so funny because, like, then you can always come back and say, well, obviously you didn't check your student email then last week when I sent (laughs) out that email. And she goes off on this whole other thing. So then I think she brought five other kids in and they're all doing ceiling time is what kids – well, some kids call the the FaceTime to the ceiling is ceiling time. Ceiling time? Wow. Uh, One (laughs) – one student – was just sitting on her bed watching TV with the camera like propped up on her dresser with just the camera watching her watch TV while like everyone else is yelling in the room. See, that's the the generational disconnect. That's the unboxing video. That's the the thing (laughs) that I I see on YouTube and I'm like, I I don't know, man. I just don't. It's so weird because I'm always just like sitting sitting down here in my – daughter's toy room slash my office slash my laundry room <laughs> and i'm like does anyone have any questions any anything you want to go over for work essays things like that no all right i guess you're just gonna sit here for 40 minutes <laughs> looking at the ceiling and that's just happening all over the united states right now that's so that's what's happening oh yeah uh to jump a little bit you you're the first person that i watched on stage it so in this, yeah. in this music world, uh, uh, to quote one of my close friends, it's getting a little kumbaya out there. At least it was at first when we first started. There's <laughs> <laughs> a whole lot of people jumping on the Instagram live with the uh, with the acoustic guitars. But uh, I do have to say that you're you're. Uh, so I watched uh, Jeff Rosenstock had a, a live show with a couple different people signing into his account when we mm-hmm. were first got back from Australia. That was super cool. I saw some friends. Yeah. Uh, glad he played that. Um, but yours was the first stage show that I went to that had like the chat next to it with everybody interacting yeah. with each other and you're playing captain songs, playing your songs. And it was, it was awesome. It was, uh, it, yeah. was, it was fucking cool, man. Um, and I really, it's, really enjoyed it. It's definitely, it's definitely weird. Cause I, I, I know at the beginning of it, I remember like signing into like Instagram and you'd see like, everyone's like live right now. And oh, yeah. you click, it says your name, your name is now in there. And then someone's playing an acoustic guitar, you're like, eh, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, the speakers, like, yeah, not to criticize. We all want to be closer together. Right. And that was one way to uh, uh, connect Absolutely. while we were doing it. But it was pretty funny to like hear just the worst <laughs> audio of someone screaming into the <laughs> into their phone. Like, uh, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know if we're, if, if we're there yet. This is still the like week one of like pure panic, like trying to get our bearings of what am I going to eat tomorrow? Yeah. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm signing in. No, exactly. Right we now. ate fucking dried beans and potatoes for like three <laughs> days. Before we got back from Australia, I was like, all right, Bethann, you got to go and get uh, – give her like – you know, we, we, we came up with a list together. We're like, all right, we got groceries. It's cool. But we need emergency groceries just in case people start acting fucking crazy. Yeah. Uh, I made I packed a bag. I was like, all right, we're in South Philly. We're right here. There's a lot 
lot of people around. People get antsy. They start acting fucking nuts. Uh, we'll, we'll escape to my brother's house, uh, Mike. You know, we'll, we'll go to Mike's house. And, uh, yeah, so that those those first couple of days were insane. And it was completely so mirrored so- and reflected on Instagram Live. This <laughs> <laughs> this is so funny because Greg literally said the same thing to me, and it was probably around the same time. Probably because like, him and I were saying it to each other face yeah. to face in the fucking Melbourne airport. He was like, "Listen, if shit hits the fan. You know, we have the house up in Lake Ariel. You know, we go up there. Uh, you know, it's not a bad place to spend a couple months. No. We're kind of away from everything." And he's talking to me about this, and it's such a like you can. I'll go off on a, a separate side story after this one of the of the different dynamics my brother and I have. But like, well, he's just like speaking about this, and he's like my dad in this sense. Like, he'll just like say things, and just like you know, very kind of rationally, just put things out on the board and be like, all right, well, here are like five different options. These are five things we can look at here, and like we'll assess things in time. I packed, we packed our bags that entire night, like. <laughs> Everything the baby owns, everything <laughs> I own, everything Carol. Yeah, but I mean, pack, good on you, you know. Like we packed for two months, and we had everything in the living room. And that morning, we were going to get up and leave. Wow! And we're like, we're going to leave Philly for like two months, and we're going to live. We're going to live in Lake Ariel. Maybe Greg and Sarah will show up at some point. Yeah. And I remember texting him like, "All right, we're going." And he's like, "Yeah, all right, if you want to." I mean, and I'm like, "Well, what, you're not." And he's like, <laughs> "No, I mean." I don't know if things got really bad, then like, yeah, maybe (laughs) the whole next day, Karen, I spent just like unpacking everything because I like, I don't know if we should go now. I kind of don't want to. And so when we were kids, I remember my dad told me this. (laughs) My dad would play like (laughs) kind of like emotional social experiments on Greg and I's personality. And one of them was he brought us to a toy store and he like stopped us as we're walking and and he goes, all right, you have... 20 minutes, This you, I want you to run in this toy store, and literally the one thing you pick out is yours. You could pick anything in this toy store. You only have 20 minutes, and you have to get one thing. If you run out of time, you run out of time, you don't get anything. But you can get one thing in this toy store, go. And it was like, how are, these, how are these two boys going to tackle this situation? Yeah, they're going to work together. They're going to – does one of them have a watch? I run up and like the first thing I find, like some like shitty little like three dollar like ninja turtle. I'm like, here I'm done. <laughs> With that, I'm like, sure. Like you have a whole toy store here. You you checked out one aisle. Like you're done. I'm like, I'm done. That's what I want. That's it. Greg took like the entire time, like freaking out with multiple things in his hands, like freaking out about the time. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what I can get. And I feel like that kind of. Stays true to our. Uh, yes, yeah, certainly person. does. <laughs> Knowing uh, you two so uh, uh, intimately, the both of you, is that's like an incredible story. It almost sounds like a, a parable or made up or something. It's perfect. That's <laughs> yeah. so fucking funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. We would like. It was, my dad would always like do stuff, and I'd like have like mental like just breakdowns, freaking out. Like we'd be walking in Manhattan where he worked, and like carrying his bags, and he would give us like you know, three bags each to carry or something like that. And I would be just losing my mind about how much I don't want to do this task. <laughs> and Greg is just kind of like silent next to him. Like it's going to get over at some point. Like they'll be fine. And Hell you can yeah. just see the, the different personalities. <laughs> Hell yeah. And seeing why you guys work so well together and do that. Yeah. 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 So, yeah that was another thing. You spent so much time, um, especially I know at a big point in Captain Worsinking's um, mm-hmm. 
uh, uh, journey living in Manhattan, working in Manhattan, or living in Brooklyn and working in Manhattan. Yeah. And it seemed like uh, New York really shaped um, the venues you guys played at, the bands that you met. You know, every time that we would come and play, you'd you'd come and be there. And yeah, yeah, it's like a, a, it was pretty cool to watch you on that journey. Yeah, um, it's something I always talk. I always like talk about it too uh, when I have a new batch of students. Is that like I was such a terrible high school student, like. At not behaviorally bad, but my grades were so poor. Like I just saw my report cards. My mom uh, still has them at her house, and I went through my report cards, and they were so bad. Like I got out of high school. That's so funny. You had like you know terrible grades, and now here you are teaching and like helping kids uh, learn and, and get their great grades. Like, <laughs> all I thought about in high school was playing in a band. Like I'm like school doesn't matter to me because I'm going to play in a band. I'm going to tour, and I really don't care about any of these classes right now because I'm just not going to need them because I already know what I'm going to do. Uh, get out of high school, kind of trying to figure out our way in the band, and I go to Penn State Worthington, the Scranton campus. Represent. Yep, and kind of treat it the same way I treated high school. <laughs> And I was like, oh, wait, I can just not show up. I can just not go, and they're not going to, like, get mad about it. Yeah, and, the, and not so this I, time. there's not even going to be a truant officer. There's no phone <laughs> yeah. call. There's not... And so I just, like, wouldn't go to my class, and I got kicked out, like, first year there. And I just failed everything. They're like, yeah, you're on academic probation, and do, we don't want you Do you remember back. what your major was? Uh, I definitely didn't have a major. <laughs> like, und- yeah. as undecided as undecided can be. I, I took the Bible as literature. That was one of my courses. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. That's how uh, – oh, actually, I can't give away the story. I was going to say that that was how we got our band name was one of the classes that we had – that I had at, uh-huh. at Penn State Wellington. Nice. Yeah. But um, – Yeah, so I fi- I like miserably failed out of there. And I remember my dad saying like, listen, if school is not for you, we got, we're going to figure something out for you because you're not just going to sit around. And he put the idea out there is like if you move – then you got to move to New York. He worked for me and we figure it out from there. And that was – Right after the summer, actually, yeah. of you and I working. So you and I worked that two-week job, just like failed out of college for the first time. Just went through like my high school breakup, and I was like, I got nothing going on here. So I moved to New York, um, started working with my dad, and it really shaped me as a human being and just a, like a person. Wait, the first- oh my god, wait. Sorry to interrupt you. What was your job with your dad? Wasn't it fucking serving people? Yeah, that was part of my job. <laughs> I would go to like I would go to like banks and stuff like that and, and serve papers. So one time I had to like serve like an individual and um the it was like on Park Avenue and the door guy like instantly knew who I was and like called up to the guy and I sat down in the lobby for like an hour and like a little over an hour and I'm like this isn't happening. Um, but it was like a lot of times just like not serving individual people where you gotta like dress up and like hide yourself, but yeah, you'll go like, to, like uh, what was that stoner movie, Pineapple Express? That's yeah, his job at yeah. the beginning, yeah, yeah. I would have like the papers, but it was like more for like like, like the, the secretary, yeah, would somebody get, at the business yeah. work that was their job was to take the papers, yeah, yeah, would like still. take the papers. And I was, um, there was one there was like a company party going on, and I went into the like boardroom where the party was, and I would just have like the paper, and like, ah! and someone, <laughs> someone just stuck it out of my hand. Uh, I would go down to, I go down to city hall and like file paper. I would go up to like the judges' chambers to like file paper and stuff like that, which is pretty cool. 
because um, yeah. you like go up to their off like their chambers and it's like it sounds like so, a pretty you know it's like a pretty good job for a 19 year old kid or whatever an 18 year old kid it's like it awesome. that's who, that's I, who you want to do that job and i cannot believe the patience my dad and his uh and his partner marty casey had for me because like i would also have to put things into a spreadsheet but then i would get bored on the computer and i would just like read things on the computer for an entire day and like <laughs> they knew i like wasn't they i found out much later on maybe like around my wedding uh, when they were both there, uh, that they would take bets some mornings whether I would show up. And <laughs> I have to say, I was a terrible worker. I never missed a day. Yeah, fuck yeah. And I was always on time. And that's something that that's something like I would always that always kind of stuck with me too. Is I've worked a lot of weird jobs. That landscaping job, worked on a golf course with your brother. Oh yeah, I got to uh, throw in. We weren't, you know, we had the landscaping job for two weeks because you know we it was in between stuff, and I got fired because I wasn't Tom A. Uh, <laughs> but we, uh, you know, where we grew up, you just everybody worked a lot and hard, and uh, that was one the, one of the best things that we took away from from coming from that area. I think was uh, yeah that work ethic. I uh, worked in the service industry, worked in a grill for like two weeks. I was afraid to get burned. So they put me as like behind <laughs> the cash register. Um, uh, yeah, I worked, I worked a construction job throughout uh, college. And like my main thing was like, I know I'm so bad at these jobs. Yeah. Like if you see me in person, if you know who I am as a human being, like I would be mortified if I was coming over to a commercial site doing construction like i was the guy with like a jackhammer like in the basement ripping up like these pipes and like i don't know what i'm doing down here um but like i would make sure to show up before everyone else got there and just be nice to everyone yeah and it's hard to hard to fire someone that's nice that's always my motto um so while you're doing that with your dad you guys were practicing like well uh squid and leo and uh zach coming up to new york or it was like uh, zach and leo zach and leo were living in the ava house in philly yeah and this is when i lived at a place called 538 johnson and 538 johnson was pretty cool because um it was like a hallway filled with graffiti and every loft space had like their own show going on that like one of the nights of the week like there's always a different show going on i saw um bridge and tunnel there a number of times um the singer from jawbreakers latest band was playing across the hall one day when i came home from work and the old drummer <laughs> against me literally um, across I, the hall though it's across, like, across like across literally hall, yeah like six foot home. ten foot walk you get yeah. yeah i got home from work and there was like a kind of an unspoken thing and in, in like in the building of like if you live in the building you can go to the shows for free so you kind of just say what what apartment is yours and you can kind of just go to everyone's shows and i remember walking in there i'm like man that guy looks familiar and it turned out to be like one of their first shows i'm like oh that's pretty cool across the hall and then you guys we had that big menzinger's captain uh namuria show yeah fuck in, yeah in my living room which was, was great uh people were jumping off the balcony we had yeah the makeshift the- balcony in the clearly not residentially zoned building with uh they had, yeah. It was like eight by – no, like big posts or like six by six posts that just yep. kind of like built the structure of the entire thing. There was yeah. no heat in the building, but you yeah. didn't need it because the building was always just so hot. Hell like yeah. even, even in shout the out to everybody. It was in there. Jordan, Susie. Susie. Uh, and then we had a Taren. door. <laughs> so, so fucking great. Yeah. I uh, – oh, that place was uh, – as wild as wild it can be. I came home. I, I remember coming home from work one day and Method Man was shooting a music video on the roof. 
there's like all these like wires going on the hallway and yeah method man was upstairs shooting a video that's so fucking funny and awesome yeah and, uh, and yeah. then you came and you lived with us for a summer yeah and then i lived in your basement um i was roommates with joe your drummer oh yeah we shared the, so many legends the, in the mountain house uh, the mountain street basement joe lived down there eric lived down there you lived down yeah. there Colin yeah, when Leslie I was down, lived down there. Yeah. When I was down there, it was me and Joe, and I remember you would wake up in the morning and your pillow would just be damp. <laughs> just like kind of like kind of soaking wet. I'm like, this yeah, because is... they 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 kind of sealed the basement, but then they just put up. <laughs> uh, they, they they didn't do like a, a drywall situation with with uh, studs. They just did like plaster, and then the yeah. floor was tile, and there was a drain that somehow got pumped up with no yeah. uh, pump system, and it just once in a while there'd be spots of water. You weren't sure how they got there. It wasn't raining. Yeah. That was like in like the glory days too, like the like the height, I guess, of like Ava House because Zach and Leo were living over there, so we'd practice all the time. Yeah, so that, they were only like four or five blocks away. Yeah, like four blocks away, so you ride your bike over there. And I remember one night they had the stage that they used, that like big giant plank of wood that they would use for the stage, <laughs> and they had it flipped over, and they had this giant D and D game going on, Dungeons and Dragons. I never played Dungeons and Dragons before, yeah. but they had like all the lights set up, and it was like this big beautiful thing, and you would take like skateboarding breaks and that big empty room is just a weird existence yeah for anybody listening ava houses it was the spot that uh, our friends that lived at zach neil lived there uh danielle dj joe everybody so many people lived there we had so many shows yeah. there and it was in an open space like a, the way it was set up was the second floor of uh what was essentially a garage underneath and you know that also certainly was in zone residentially i could imagine <laughs> yeah the floor, yeah, the floor used to bow like a good shows. foot down i remember uh, matt <laughs> matt and leo going into the garage during maybe you guys were playing and you would just see the the floor just bowing underneath like yeah. this is definitely gonna that was cave. like back in the early 2000s you'd read the stories about the frat parties that had collapsed parties <laughs> and shit like that yeah. that was our, our our like you know alt counterculture equivalent for sure <laughs> but uh yeah, and it's, upstairs. Funny think, it's, it's funny to think about those times. You're like, well, I guess that was like my college experience. I'm like, I don't know. We kind of did the same thing. I guess you would do in college. Exactly, like, it was the same <laughs> thing. Except ours had a lot more like uh, that had no rules and yeah. no structure. Except that you yeah. had to go to work. Uh, yeah, a lot more. Yeah, insanity. I don't think they also had. Remember, they had Project. Uh, I forget what it was called. Oh, it was with like, the mice? With the mice. Yeah, so they there was a such a bad mouse blueprint. infestation. Yeah, I think it was like Matt and all those guys. And Leo, they, they had a whole blueprint thing set up so they could remember where the traps were. And they would log where they caught mice and how many of the mice that they caught so that, you know, first of all, they wouldn't they have... get caught in the trap themselves or forget that the trap was there. But they would also see where they can concentrate their traps most efficiently. They did like a they did like a, a big day sort map. of operation <laughs> where they're like they knew that like this night was like – this is going to be a bad night. Yeah. And I remember talking to Leo about it and they were up all night with just just waiting mice. for the clap yeah. of the fucking mousetraps. Just all night long just hearing mice die in large numbers. Oh, yeah. I remember just like taking a piss. You turn around and there's just a mouse. You're like, okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't think – they would have, maybe I would have to ask Danielle or Leo and someone will correct me on this. But I don't know if they had – I don't think they had a sink. And so they would just oh, fill up yeah. the – the tub. Like if they if like you're gonna boil water, you'd fill it up with the tub. Or, yeah, so you like, wash. I remember there, you'd go in and the the tub would have 
dishes in it. You'd wash the dishes in the tub, like that kind of. Zach lived in yeah. a tent for a while. Zach in the in a living tent. room. Yeah, and this was not you know that much different than where how we were. I mean, our shit worked for <laughs> no. the most part. But, uh, yeah. you know, we had our, our mice. We had this BB gun that we would sit there and wait for the mice to come up and shoot them. One time I was in our roommate's room at, uh, at Mountain Street and a mouse came out and I was hammered and it ran to my jeans. And I started punching my jeans and got got them. Floored my jeans and the mouse fell out. <laughs> and threw them in the trash can and never told them. 538 Johnson, I don't think I remember any, like, mice problems. Cats. Yeah. Uh, yeah, good thing about living in that giant factory. I think there's just no mice. Yeah, for whatever reason. Ten out. But that was a fun period of time because you would have like a show at our house in Brooklyn, and then you would take like one weekend, and then the following weekend there'd be like different house shows going on in Philly. Yeah, and you would take Chinatown bus back and forth for twenty dollars round trip. So and good. just like stay on couches or whatnot for the weekend and there's always someone playing somewhere exactly it's like right the, at like, the end of the housing right at the beginning and, and middle of the housing crisis it was like there's venues everywhere no one yeah. can go to the bar or weren't old enough to go to the bar so we would just go to to, to houses and it was you know we're, we're remembering all the good parts right now it was definitely definitely pretty great Sure, yeah, our neighbors weren't as stoked but no i couldn't even imagine that now <laughs> no i like, couldn't like that's insanity. Well, when's the last time you guys played a house show? I remember I went to one like two or three years ago, and I have some I have some hot takes about. Played, well, probably not hot takes, but yeah. I, I think I was at the house show you went to that you have hot takes about the sidekicks one. Yes, it was, and yeah. I remember I remember speaking to you outside. Yeah, and I was like, that these was motherfucking last- kids who live here are like thirty years old. Yeah. They're a bunch yeah. of you know a bunch of kid like middle class white kids moving right into a black neighborhood and just like. Yeah. Take advantage of the fact that nobody's going to call the cops, and you know they acted like assholes, and it was yeah, it was super weird. That was the, that was the last house show I went to. Yeah. We played a house show, um, I think in West Philly, not too long before we broke up, and it was actually at that point where Leo and I were talking about like, all right, we kind of got to get like a handle on what this band is or like what we want to be. Cause of like, I remember Leo saying, he's like, listen, if we're just going to do like house shows like this, like we've always been doing, like, all right, fine, let's just like name that and do it. But if we're going to try to do something more, then we have to name that as well. And we got to like not live in this in between because like we would play a house show. And I think at that point in the band, we kind of had a little bit of a taste of like what a big show was like. And it's kind of, it was definitely hard to play shows like that and then go back to a house show and be like, uh, I kind of feel. uh, Does the microphone work? Uh, Are we getting paid? Uh, Like you can never like replace that feeling of you know, playing a house show and being like young and in the moment of it. But I think when you're out of the moment of it, and then you go and play a house show. And I was like, man, I just feel out of my skin right now, out of my element, just not having a good time. Yeah. And that's like actually started the conversation of like, yeah, I don't think we're going to do this band anymore because we really just like we were on so many different like paths as a band of like this is the band we're going to be or this is the band like we want to be. And then we will just self derail it. Like our famous saying was. I feel like we could write songs. I feel like we're a good band. We're just so bad at being a band. And we would show up to like a festival with like 10 shirts. So that part you mean? Yeah, like the the Yeah, like know. we were just bad at managing ourselves. Totally. Whether you dump in a whole shit ton of money to print more shirts or you're like I don't know if I'm going to get it back. I don't know who's whose job is what. But then like what. doing 
but then doing dumb stuff and like leaving your merch at the show (laughs) (laughs) or leaving your amps there Uh, or like, you know, showing up to a show without guitars and being like, Hey, can we borrow yours? (laughs) 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 So what, uh, what kind of journey has that got you on now? Like you, you know, you put out, um, the solo shit, which I, I fucking love. It's awesome. Um, you now, uh, have are married working as a, uh, a teacher. Um, hmm. writing songs, making some, a little bit of electronic shit. Uh, congratulations. Oh. You beautiful baby girl. Thank you very much. Yeah. Life has... Where does that leave you now with, uh, with, as far as the music and shit goes, you know, like how, uh, so my big thing, like after the band broke up, it was like definitely tough because you don't have that outlet anymore. And at first I thought I really didn't need it because I was just doing, I was really just started teaching, moved to Philadelphia. We're getting married. I'm uh, going to start a family. And I'm like, as long as I can play music by myself, like I'm not going to stop playing guitar. Um, as long as I can keep playing music by myself, record some music every now and then, put it up online, kind of let let it be, then I'll be happy with it. But you also feel like a little piece of yourself goes. And that was always the thing I was afraid about with the band ending is that like, are you also losing a part of yourself? And you know, I didn't realize how much a part of myself was in that band. And so actually doing the live stream last month, like reconnected with that side for the first time since the band broke up, like playing those songs again and kind of like interacting with people who know the songs and were like genuinely enjoying themselves. It's like, Oh wow, this for the, I haven't felt this. And I don't know when we broke up 2016 or 17 or whatnot. Um, like, but I haven't like felt that since then. And you realize that you kind of like lose almost, a, it feels like a limb maybe, um, just like a piece of yourself. And I can't even imagine, man. You tell yourself yeah, that's so, you, how you're identified uh, by a lot of ways. Um, your whole thing yeah. is wrapped up in that. And then, you know, like you can't just, you know, f- stop, you know? It's like, yeah. Uh, and I think it kind of goes into like what we we're talking about, like personality, like what my personality is like. Like I'm such a hot and cold kind of person where like, you know, I'll definitely – react before thinking and (laughs) (laughs) and so like in my mind it was just like oh yeah that's fine i can just end the band and i'll be and then i just don't need that anymore like my life's just different now and then you get so far away from it it's like oh yeah but you kind of like lost that little side of you and you really miss that side um so the solo stuff has been great because it's been able to like find that creative outlet again but then you realize that you're now like one single person in a giant ocean where like before it was the four of us and like i will figure it out somehow we always have the four of us yeah now it's like one person so all right if i'm gonna record something i gotta save up for a year and put money into a savings account to actually have some funds to go into the studio with yeah um or i'm gonna go do this and it does lead to like some creativity like buying the like little drum synth pad that I got and like creating electric music, like electronic music has been like a lot of fun. Um, so you find like new avenues to do it, but definitely that playing a show, the crowd, uh, interaction, like that part is, is definitely missed. Yeah. That, that uh, weird, bizarre thing that what it is essentially, it's kind of like, you know, you ever hear a cargo cult, the cargo cults, So the cargo cults were – there's like a random uh, islands of the Pacific that were used as kind of in-betweens, tactical in-betweens that the uh, U.S. Um, you know, military used. That mm-hmm. they would go there and it would be a place they can refuel or there would be an airstrip there or whatever. And there would be uh, indigenous people on the islands and they're like, holy shit. 
all these fucking giants showed up and these weird metal beasts and they gave us all this free food and medicine and all this kind of crazy shit. And then as they – the war ended and they lost their um, reason for them to – like the, for reason for the, the military to keep coming there. Uh, some, some research, I'm going to butcher this by the way, so please do your own research. Some, uh, <laughs> some people came back years later, uh, some academics and shit, and they, they saw that the people who had lived there had recreated like, um, binoculars out of tools. They made like earpiece things out of coconuts and shit. Wow. And they were just like emulating almost in a ritual way what yeah. was happening. Uh, cause they thought that if they did that, then the stuff would come back again. Like the people who were there that would, 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 would like kind wow. of re-emulate that shit, which yeah. I always thought was super fascinating. Cause you are also a history teacher and yeah. we do, you and I do often talk about the, the, the that wild ass kind of shit. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Scott history memes chat. Yeah. Uh, history, history memes <laughs> chat. <laughs> but show, uh, show my students sometimes a, a hot meme that comes in hell from, yeah. from Scott at like 2 PM on a Wednesday. <laughs> That's so awesome. But uh, yeah, where I was going with that was that it's kind of like what we were doing or what we started out doing the the live shows as was kind of yeah. almost emulating the pop culture and big rock mm-hmm. shows that we saw and then yeah. turned that into like a collective experience where we're with each other. And then I was I just want to ask you about the reconciliation of like you, you were saying you missed that and now it is mm-hmm. uh, back into just making the music and it's kind of like while you're writing – what is the expectation um, for what the songs are going to be? Like, do you have them as you're just going to share them with yeah. your friends or you have them like, that's, this is how I, I vision it would be a big show or like. Exactly. That's the hardest part about it is that like you go into it and like, I don't know how you are with writing songs, but when I was always doing it with Captain, it's like, all right, I'm going to picture this playing as a band. Yeah. And like, I'm going to picture this in a live setting. Oh, yeah. And We're like, going to ramp how, this part up to the last chorus, and it's going to be gang vocals because everybody in the crowd is going to fucking sing along, man. <laughs> this is where this is where the crowd's going to go yeah. crazy. And I'm going <laughs> to front flip into the crowd during this time, so I don't really need to play yeah. something crazy on the guitar. <laughs> exactly. But even, yeah. like, if I write, like, kind of, like, solo, like, softer kind of stuff, I still think about, like, how would this – what would I do with this live? And yeah. then you kind of have to, like, I kind of remind myself, like, I really don't play shows anymore. And maybe, like, once a year, I'd play a show with, like, Roger at a bar in Philly. Yeah. Um, but, like, I just I just don't play shows anymore. So you have to, like, you take that side of it and, like, what would this look like in a show setting? You're like, well, you're really probably not going to play this in a show. And then it starts this cycle of, like, Oh man, well, what's the point then? Should I even like pick up this guitar anymore? Should I even still do this anymore? And then, then you kind of go into this long winded thing of like, oh yeah, well, you go back to like, oh, I'm just releasing online. Who gives a shit? And it's this nonstop cycle. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I can see that, man. That would be, that's like one thing I think about often uh, while we're writing as well. We're in the same spot. We're like, what are we going to do this for? how it's going to come off live or how people mm-hmm. are going to accept it. And it's like, you know, a constant battle that I don't think anybody has a real good answer to. Yeah. It's like, you kind of, you want to be that person. That's just, well, I don't know. You just write a song, you put it out there in the world and who cares? Like songs will keep coming. Yeah. Just keep writing. You don't want to like think about the, yeah, like I've been sitting on, I wrote them out today. I have 30 songs. Jesus 30 songs. Christ. Thirty songs for like in the past like two years. That's and so it, many songs, <laughs> and they all have their own separate. That's project. more than a song a month. Yeah, they all they all have their own separate project and their own separate home. I just don't have the means or resources and time <laughs> to do it, so I'm just like, 
all right, well, now I'm going to do this. So, like, I was showing you, I went to my brother's house today and gave me this old tape recorder that's broken. Like, all right, well, I'll, like, learn how to fix that. And then I'll carve out seven of those that can, like, kind of go into a tape recorder, acoustic Nebraska-style sounding thing. And then I bought this drum synth machine. I was like, all right, cool. I'll start making, like, these dancey-type songs for some of the songs I have. And you kind of put them in homes but then you're just kind of stretching out the time as well. Yeah. And so now, like, I've been sitting on these songs for two years now and you just kind of find new homes for them and hope they find one. Yeah. I hope they find one, too. I hope I get to hear them all. Well, I saved songs. Up. Hell yeah. I saved up money. Um, I saved up my own personal money. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to go into the studio. Me and Bill, uh, Bill from Captain and Ian uh, from Slaughter Beach Dog and Modern Baseball, uh, went into the studio and wrote, 10 songs and we did like a pre-production like this is it we're doing it and then life just kind of happens and you have a savings account of some money and then life happens and you're like well i mean that's got to go on the back burner and then you kind of just (laughs) square one again like yeah well cool do i I fix my car or (laughs) yeah yeah, I spend a day uh, going over uh, guitar tones. <laughs> but uh, what? So you're gonna do another stage it soon? What do you got coming up? Yeah, I'm gonna do another. I'm uh, gonna do another stage it May uh, sixth, Wednesday at six p.m. I'm gonna play some old Captain songs. Uh, I'm gonna do some songs from the solo albums. And Karen and I are learning some covers because we did. A oh my god! Incredible! A lot of fun. That's and, awesome. Um, the babies in the background kind of raising all sorts of hell. So it was a lot of fun. So much. Doing it, so I'm going to put a, a link to that uh, stage. Yeah. If, if there one exists already, I'm going to put it right in the show notes. So everyone who wants to join, he said it's out next Wednesday at 6 PM. Uh, May 6th. I don't May think 6th. Sorry. Yeah. So I think two weeks. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was thinking about uh, asking you about when we, when I was thinking about this podcast that we're doing right now was, do you remember when we went and did our first Captain and Menzinger's tour out to uh, Michigan. Is that is that when you drove us? That's when, yeah, that's when I drove you guys. <laughs> yeah, because that show in Flint was <laughs> one of the strangest times ever in my life. Yeah, and I love talking to uh, talking about it with people that were there because everyone has a, a little bit slightly different memory of everything that happened. Uh, what I remember was uh, you guys hit me up. I don't know if it was you or Leo. Was basically said we don't have a car. Uh, <laughs> to do this tour that we had scheduled, uh, which was basically uh, out to Flint back. You know, yeah. <laughs> who was who the mastermind that came up with that round? All right, we're going to get to Flint, and then we're going to come Michigan, home. We're going to come home. There's a couple other, a couple other shows in there. But uh, this was this is the, 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 the kind of crux of the whole thing, and it'll always be remembered as the Flint show. But so at the time, I brought my girlfriend's car, who happened actually was Augusta from uh, uh, Kaitana and Gladdy. Lent us her, car. yeah, she she lent us her car. <laughs> I can't believe she did that. Lent us her car. So nice to, of her. Yeah, it was amazing to drive out to Flint, Michigan. We're going, um, and the biggest snowstorm hits. Yeah. Massive yeah. snowstorm. We get stuck in traffic Massive for so snowstorm. long. 10, 12 hours, whatever it was. There's cars overturned everywhere. We're just driving in uh, Augusta's like 1988 Oldsmobile yeah. or whatever it was, 94 Corolla or some shit. It was, it was really, one of the boat you're ones. Really hand, you're handling yourself very well. well thank you. That. Yeah. That was uh, – I was driving. It was you, Roberto, Leo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that was just the four of us in the car, right? 
And Zach. And Zach. Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Sorry, of course. And Zach. Yeah. But Roberto was drumming for us, yes. Yeah, Roberto was playing, and we would stop every, you know, couple gas stations uh, during that snowstorm. We, we stopped at a beef jerky outlet, yep. uh, which I, was hilarious. I have pictures on my laptop of us in the beef jerky outlet. Yeah. I have pictures <laughs> on my laptop, so I'll have to send them to you, of that tour. That's incredible. I need to yeah. see those for for, yeah. for sure. That's like a, always a, a a legend in my mind. Um, we got one to of my sh- favorite. One of my favorite pictures is I was in the kitchen at, at the house show in Flint, and I like peeked through like a window, and there's like five guys hanging out on that like crummy looking couch, and someone just has a giant bunny hat, like a bunny <laughs> stuffed bunny head on, and they're all just sitting there drinking like paps or whatever and then this one guy has a giant like totally normal conversations happening he's not talking to anyone i'm like i'm really losing my mind here do you remember the the pipe that was like oozing septic yeah so that was as soon as we got there there there's a band playing already basically we go down in the basement and the pipe had burst and there was like water (laughs) um but there was also it was sewage it was like you know fecal water <laughs> yeah and one guy had and one of the kids at the pit it. took his t-shirt and he like was swinging it around and was shooting all over everybody i remember in that yep. moment we were walking down the steps someone had just gotten a smartphone and they dropped it and it smashed immediately <laughs> on the steps it was like the first week that they had the smartphone fucking cracked we get down there they're throwing all that shit around a fight breaks out because that kid's throwing shit on everybody and then all the people from Michigan were like, fuck these people from uh, Philly or whatever, a bunch of uh-huh. assholes. We're going back and forth with them. But by the end of the night, everybody was really good friends until I even forget who it was. Somebody was making out with somebody else, and then somebody threw oh, the stink bomb. The stink bomb, yeah. Or the yeah. firecrackers. Or it was the firecrackers. I think it was firecrackers, yeah. Somebody threw firecrackers into the room. I think, Zach. I think the room. Zach threw firecrackers into the room. Yeah. And it just, the entire thing devolved into to, to insanity. And that was, that was what 2009 was like. <laughs> I remember waking up on the floor. I tried to go to bed early because I literally <laughs> felt like my mind was like oozing out of my ears. Uh. And <laughs> I mean, someone, it was. <laughs> yeah. someone was on the was on a chair above me, just like sitting and rocking. It was pretty early in the morning. Oh, the the meth kid. Yeah, and yeah, he was just like fuck. that's what because I was, I was going to say whatever drug it was, but he was yeah. like rocking back and forth. And I woke up and I looked at him and he's like, "I gotta go, wow, like I get some get some that. more math or whatever," yeah. <laughs> and just like walked out to the snowstorm and never saw him again. Yeah, I remember they took us to a party. It was the first time I ever went to a party store, quote unquote, in Michigan. <laughs> uh, that's what they call them. That's where you can buy like lottery tickets, chips. And liquor and beer, all in the same like corner store. They call them party stores, and that was like the only thing that was open during the that that blizzard. I remember taking the microphone. There wasn't a mic stand, and we like hung it over a pipe, a pipe in the basement, and then you just sang into it, and it, it, yeah. it just dangled, and you would have to like <laughs> sing near yeah. it. Remember, they would do that once in a while at the house shows, and you'd be able to take a piece of tape and you'd make a uh, like a forty-five degree angle kind of brace. <laughs> around the cable so it would like put the microphone kind of up uh, uh uh parallel to the floor oh my god man we made yeah. it out though safe and yeah. uh, safe and sound it's so funny because i remember getting out there i don't remember coming home <laughs> me too i was trying to think of where we played after that i can't fucking remember so, I- it wasn't Flint. It wasn't a straight shot back to Philly. It wasn't from Flint. No, no. I feel like we could loop into a bunch of the Ohio shows there when we uh, stayed yeah. with the sidekicks. Oh, uh, so the that's, what, that's what I think it was. Yeah. I think Greg got really sick. Oh, we played, oh, I wonder uh, if it had anything to do with someone throwing septic in his face. <laughs> <laughs> we played, I think it was Matt Sanders' house in yeah, Lakewood. Yeah, Soggy Dog. Yeah, and 
my family came out to it. Oh my god! <laughs> Greg had like a, a pretty good fever, and yeah. he was freaking out. He's like, "You can't tell them to come here. Like this is just like a house. Like <laughs> our aunts and uncles aren't gonna <laughs> hang out at this house with us. You have to like intercept." And I remember I walked outside to smoke a cigarette, and they're walking up the stoop, and they have like a couple six packs. Incredible. And, and they're like, hey, Bob, so are, are we here? <laughs> like, yeah, so it's, Where, you know, just, where's the just kind of how, <laughs> just kind of house shows. Like, so like, oh, it's like, it's like a party thing. Like, sort of. Yeah. They're like, to us, it meant so much more. And looking back on it, it's like, ex- <laughs> that's exactly what it was. It's a party yeah. thing. It's, yeah. yeah. It's like, so this is just like a party thing. You're just like playing a party. Like, yeah, kind of. And they're like, so we should just, we shouldn't go, we should just go then, right? Like, yeah, you just don't want to be here. <laughs> and I remember they dropped the beer up on the stoop and left. Amazing. But we paid it back yeah. though, because they could, now they come to see us at uh, the, yeah, the crazy venues that we play over there. It's pretty great. Yeah. Every Ohio show, they always come out in full numbers. They do. They are, they go, and they go hard too. They are a, a bombastic bunch. I love them to death. They're big people. Yeah. They're awesome. Uh, oh, shit, man. Yeah, they're big, big Ohioan people. Oh yeah. So uh, besides the stages show, what you got coming up next? Um. Well, I got thirty songs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're listening, Bob's got thirty songs. I got so, somebody I got put so, them out. <laughs> so the project right now, and this is all subject to change. Is I got um, some of those songs are like the songs I did with Ian and Bill, and we are going to find time once this is all over to get into the studio and record those. Uh, so those will be like full band kind of captain esque songs, big and loud, more rock and rolly uh, kind of songs, but we're sounding really cool. Um, have another album of like electronic, like postal service kind of music. Cause I don't know any electronic music except for the postal, except service. For the postal so like, service. Hell yeah. <laughs> every single day I've just been listening to the postal service. I have nothing else to reference. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, I think I, I just kind of do this. So make it sound like this. Yeah. So I back I mean, the shit out of that. I can't fucking wait to hear that. Yeah. So that's been, that's been kind of like, I guess if you can call it a quarantine project, like when the baby takes a nap, uh, Carol take a shower and then I could come down and put some headphones on and, do that uh which also is like great because now i can just have a means of recording at home and releasing it online like yeah. i'll you know i've been looping in ian with this project as well and we'll do vocals at the studio to make sure they sound good but like all the music will just be electronic so we don't need like tracking or anything like that yeah i love uh, that so much i feel like that there's going to be a, a couple projects not just like not just yours but some other people are going to be doing shit like that like uh yeah similar to the 2008 2009 2010 chill wave kind of shit that happened after sure, everybody's yeah. kind of like you know stuck in their in their house but i cannot yeah. fucking wait to hear what uh you did with it taking like your upbringing in punk yeah. loud rock music and then try to translate that over into uh, like synthesized kind of you know your stereotypical yeah it's been it's been a lot of fun be so because sick. yeah you kind of you look at it in the mind of like well i still write songs the same way as i wrote songs when i was in a punk band but now i just have like a lot of Boops. Yeah, kind of like David Bazan <laughs> kind of shit. Like yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I love uh, that. Yeah, and then the stage, and then um, I don't. I guess the stage, the stage shows would kind of be just like 
if people still want to do them, then we can do them. Yeah, um, the biggest part about the oh, – not the biggest part. Obviously, the biggest part was you playing. One of my favorite parts of uh, the stage it was to see people commenting that I know through you guys that I have not spoken with or interacted with in a long time. You, know, you start seeing yeah. some of the same names there, and you're like, holy shit. Yeah, you know, that's cool. that kid like, from Florida that I haven't talked to in forever is, uh, you know, cracking jokes about uh, being in a, in a in a live venue. You know, it's super cool. It's very there's a really great social aspect to it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Like it, it kind of like cemented to me of like who, like our core group of fans were, and like they're talking about like the fest down in Florida, and we always had such a good time playing the fest, and like it's so nice interacting with these people again because we were always treated so well um by the like this core group of of like fans that we had and it's nice being able to interact with them again and it really like sparked up that love for the band what the band did those songs uh that were written you know so long ago kind of rediscovering them in a different eye a different lens so it's just been it's been a lot of fun yeah took a a brand new context that yeah, lies, definitely, yeah. Don't, I definitely don't want to overstay my welcome. Don't want to get too <laughs> kumbaya with it. I'm like, oh, here we go again. Yeah. The dude's in his basement with a guitar. Um, but <laughs> it'll kind of take it take it month by month, maybe do one once a month, once every two months, and kind of rekindle some of those old songs. Hell yeah. I do got to say I'm a, a huge fan of yours. I'm really stoked to see the journey that you're, you've been on. Uh, and I get, I'm a little bit spoiled. I get to know you uh, so well as a friend and see you move yeah. on your personal life and stuff, which is, which is fucking awesome. And to see your uh, music as it evolves is, is so fucking exciting. And I want to thank you so much for being here with me. Thanks Tom. I think it should be noted that uh, just like how close of friends we are. I mean, I think we're in four, long-running group texts with each other. That's true. I think we are. That's that's totally fucking true. That's not even just like, uh, hey, we're having a birthday party for Karen. Like, don't respond to this text. Yeah, yeah. Not those kind of group texts. Like, the ones that text every single day. I think you and I are in four. Yeah, hell yeah. That's the one that's like, I... uh, Hey, this has been a milestone for me, or this is uh, something that I want to share with yeah. another human being. That's uh, a yeah. you know, who, who I'm going to share it with. Yeah, fuck you're gro- you're one of the groomsmen of my wedding. Oh fuck, uh, which was you incredible. Were... Scranton Country Club, <laughs> shout out. I, yeah, knew, uh, you... I thought maybe we could actually before before we wrap up, maybe talk about that yeah. a little bit. The uh, not your wedding, which was amazing, yeah. uh, but the fact that we do maintain a, uh, a, a social web and a so like a a reoccurring you know the group text like a, a, a social yeah. checking in with each other that i think lacks uh to a lot of people uh specifically to a lot of like males i think or be more wary of like getting involved yeah. in a situation where they're sharing their um feelings surprise yeah or anything like that and i just uh it has been such a huge positive influence on my mental health, my physical health, my life to be able to check in with like a group of people in the text with the, the set out idea of being like, Hey, we're going to, um, be here as a resource for each other for this reason. And I can't like encourage, um, people listening to this enough to do that with your friends. You know, it's like really, yeah. it's a very yeah. valuable, it's valuable it's Especially asset. now with like, with a good number of our friends being spread out, um, and you just don't see anyone as much as you would like to. It's nice to be able to that like every single day someone's in there talking about something that they're doing you know chris is sending a picture of what he's been working on yeah uh, down in florida carly's doing the same thing and then you guys checking in the time or i mean mike sharing the craziest things working in png <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, like his... on my brother mike is uh <laughs> he is a chemical engineer he's working as a uh he is uh in management at a 
uh, toilet paper plant in Pennsylvania where they have like been you know hit by the shortage, hit by all kinds of things. But he has always has super interesting and super insightful things to say about what, what's going on there, and and you know it's really yeah. hilarious and interesting. Yeah, it definitely it definitely brings a lot of laughs throughout the day. Yeah, seeing what, <laughs> seeing what everyone's doing. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. it's uh, I think it's a great way to keep everybody's mental health up and check up on each other and it's it's it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty cool it's pretty it's a it's a very invaluable thing and i think that um in our modern society that is lacking in a lot of ways and i think that some people miss that even before this so it's uh, yeah for sure it's, it's pretty fucking cool to be able to do that yeah definitely yeah man plus you know you could shit post <laughs> you know yeah yeah um i won't mention the one picture that was shared today no um, but... i'll never mention it i always wonder i'm like damn Somebody is going to like leak this text message and then we have to like explain what so, was said. I'm going to have to. Not only is that like some text might be a little uh, not safe for work, but then the name of the group text is pretty <laughs> not safe for work. Yeah, constantly an evolving way to like uh, a challenge to see if someone looks over your shoulder and sees what you're being texted by to see if they can uh, uh, be offended or well, not be offended, but like, you know, get a, get a good rise out of somebody. I think so, we should come up with some kind of will uh, yeah. where we posthumously can release it to our, our grandkids. <laughs> Maybe redact it a little bit like a CIA document. <laughs> I had a student like before I put that thing on silent so it wouldn't just pop up like my phone was on my desk. And a <laughs> junior or a senior, I forget what it, I forget who what it was in what grade, like it went bing and he saw the name of the group text. And he's like, <laughs> really? Wow. I love, it. I love the fact that we're not going to share it either. That's great. No, it's that's, secret. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as far as that, uh, that social connection goes, especially in this time of uh, social distancing, which I was uh, talking to your brother today, Social D needs to make a, a social distancing rip t-shirt, <laughs> but he said apparently they did already. So I have him. Uh, oh, yeah, I got to look that's it up. That's such a great idea. Yeah, especially in this time where all I want to do is talk to strangers and yeah. plug people and you can't. Yeah. I think uh, we can take advantage of um all this technology that we have at hand. It's pretty fucking bad. Yeah, I, was, I woke up this morning and put on a bunch of music that had gang vocals in it. Yeah. Just so I can, <laughs> just so you can hear everyone together. Hell yeah. That's amazing. But uh, yeah, Val, I think I'm about to ready to wrap it up. Thanks so much for, for hanging yeah. out. And I would Thanks love to do this again. Me. Oh, hey. Anytime. Oh, so all anytime. of our podcast ideas that we had that we haven't done was Bob and Tom Trip. Oh, yeah, we did. Yeah. Which we go to uh, different, like, weird. Pennsylvania is full of these, like, local festivals and things like that. There's a rattlesnake festival, uh, like, an hour (laughs) from where we're from, where apparently, I might have this wrong, but they go and they catch a bunch of rattlesnakes, then they bring them to a place, and then they (laughs) put them back, like, after they have the rattlesnake festival. I don't know what the fuck it is. It sounds insane. There's a festival in Hamlin for one year where you would pay $5 and you get a sledgehammer and you can just beat up on a car for five minutes. <laughs> That's this, incredible. This, so this is when we were really young. That was the first place where I met Brianna from Tiger's Jaw. I, I think I passed her the sledgehammer. <laughs> she was like five foot one. Wow. And you just get to hit the hit like a like a demolition yeah. derby car with a sledgehammer. Yeah. So like everyone's like along the sides like talking strategy because everyone's trying to get the door off. <laughs> <laughs> so teamwork like, right there back it yeah so the entire town really came together about how to beat the shit out of this car yeah they're like all right well we disagree about whose crick runs through <laughs> whose property 
But we're going to get this door off. I don't know why they have Southern Draws. They're from basically the New York border. Or Toyota Camry is really going to get it. Yeah, so there's a lot of of festivals we have to go to. Yeah, we got to do the San Ubaldo race, which my sister lives on. My sister lives on the San Ubaldo race track. It's a crime. I've never been been there. Oh, we got to go. I also want my first time to go when we have the podcast set up so we can interview people there. Like I want to go in with fresh eyes, a fresh lens. Okay. And be like, it's my first time there. I want to experience it all. Cause I work, when I was working that construction job, I worked in Jessup and this woman said at her, in her basement, they've put trash bags on the floor and they set up all their kegs on top of like line trash bags on the floor and they just get like messy. Oh, we're gone. We got to go. Yeah. Oh yeah, we'll bring. We'll, we'll, we should do a history of it. We will get the historical context. We'll go. Like we'll bring the Zoom we'll, recorder. That'd be so we'll fucking it. fun. Basically, yeah, we'll it's a it's a it's like a sister city of a city in Italy that does a three statue race. The race is it's rigged. The same team wins every year. Uh, but they like the all these groups of like people, of <laughs> right? Of course, they're all they all wear uh, a certain colored neckerchief, and they do this giant run uh, up and down the streets, and it's like an old you know coal town. All the houses are right next to each other. It's, it looks yeah. a lot like Pittsburgh and the Deer Hunter, uh, and they carry <laughs> these giant true. statues, and they run around, and they like put dollars on them like they did in The Godfather. And yeah. then, uh, yeah, then have a big fireworks display at the end, and everybody's just eating oh, and having gosh, fun. I can't wait to go. Yeah. Oh yeah, we got to go. It's gonna be amazing. So that's what, that's where the next next episode we're gonna yeah. do is gonna be at the Saint Ubaldo yep. race. Live. <laughs> By then, it's just live. The technology's there. It'd be so sick. But uh, yeah, man, thank you so much for coming on. Thank uh, you. Love to death, and I can't wait to do yeah. the uh, Saint Ubaldo episode. It's gonna be awesome. Absolutely. Stay tuned. Hell yeah. Thanks, Bob. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Future Friday. Come join uh, us on May 6th over at Stage It. I say us, but really it's just going to be Bob that's playing. I'm going to be talking shit in the comments and hanging out my my, my friends virtually. That's like 3 p.m. for you maniacs in California. A good 4 p.m. for the uh, hippies in Denver. Maybe in Phoenix, depending on whether or not it's daylight savings time. I can never get that one right. Uh, 5 p.m. in Chicago and rolling down and a good 11 o'clock for the our, our folks across the Atlantic and now here I am just rambling but yeah I hope that this podcast finds you in good health and good mind and if it doesn't I hope it gets you a little bit closer there good luck good night Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and, in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. 
I'm Daniela Clark. I'm Barbara Ann Wild. And we are The Honest AF Show. Our podcast is real honest conversation with our celebrity friends and pros. Covering our anything but average rock and roll lifestyles. All while tackling the hell that is aging and the battle of beauty. Oh yeah, nothing is off the table. The Honest AF Show is available wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.